Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free Posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. I think the greatest compliment that we can get as photographers, and I know many of us hear this and I love to give this compliment. When I look at an image and I can say, Nikki Klosser took that image because it speaks to us defining and knowing who we are as photographers and that consistency also tells your client they know what they're going to get. Welcome to the Portrait System Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and this show is here to help you succeed in the world of photography and business, to help you learn to become financially free doing what you love and so much more. With over 1 million downloads, countless photographers have taken what they've learned from both our episodes and from theportraitsystem.com, and they have grown their businesses, quit their day jobs, and are designing a life of their dreams. We keep it real and share stories about the ups and downs that come with running a photography business. You'll hear real-life stories of how other photographers run their business, and you'll learn actionable steps that you can take to reach your own goals. Thank you so much for being here, and let's get started. Hey guys, now is your chance to check out all of the incredible photography education we have available for you at theportraitsystem.com. For only $7, you will get access to over 1,000 videos, including pricing, posing, marketing, lighting, sales, inspiring photo shoots, self-value, and more. Yes, you'll get your first month for only $7 when you become a pro member, and you'll get access to the full download library with posing guides and workbooks and so much more. Also, this includes a pricing calculator, a studio startup timeline, our weekly live broadcasts, including Sue Bryce's live talks, access to our private members-only Facebook groups, special discounts on photography products, and so much more. Head over to theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7 to get your first month for only $7. That's theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7. Hey everyone, Heather Crowder is my guest this week on the Portrait System podcast. She is a fantastic photographer in Maryland, and she has mastered bringing multiple income streams into her business. Heather has a studio that she rents out to other photographers and also for events, and she has her own studio that she runs for her own personal branding shoots, high school seniors, and family genres, just to name a few. Heather loves the versatility of shooting different genres, and she even has grown a side of her business for school pictures. Heather tells us all about how she does this and how she converts these school pictures into full family photo shoots. Okay, it's time to get started with the amazing Heather Crowder. Hi, Heather. Welcome to The Portrait System. Hi, Nikki. Thank you so much. I'm very excited about our call. Have you come down from the whole Italy experience yet? No, and I knew that that would be the first thing that we'd talk about (laughs) because I, too, am still riding that high and really, truly the experience of a lifetime. It really was, wasn't it? What we do. And and it's, you know, it's that scenario where if you were there, you understand that. And, but to those people on the outside, like, how good could it be? Was it really that good? Like, yes, 
it was that good. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. And I'm just so, so grateful to have had the opportunity to be there. And truly every aspect of the experience was next level. Oh, I love hearing that. You know, from yeah. the trip itself, the people, the educational aspect of it, the connection with the mentors and the instructors and the food and <laughs> the cheese and, mm-hmm. you know, everything that that Graffy did to host us. It, it really was an amazing experience. And certainly I would someday love to do it again myself. And I would encourage anybody to take that opportunity if you have the chance. Did you know that the prosciutto? that was served at lunch every day was is like world-renowned prosciutto? I learned that after the fact. Same. And it, yeah. And yeah. because it just all felt so simple and humble. I know. And, I, know. Yeah. I loved every minute of that. You know, and sadly, I didn't eat the prosciutto. <laughs> oh, why didn't you, why didn't you well, eat the prosciutto? Ever since I got pregnant with Van, I have oh. not been able to eat red meat. It's very sad. Oh, I have an aversion weird, to it now. I just like want weird. it to come back, but it's not there yet. Yeah. Oh, that's unfortunate. Well, you. I'm sure you made up for it with oh, cheese and polenta the pasta and, and the yeah, the pasta everything. and all the other all the other things for sure. Well, and for people listening who have no idea what we're talking about, so Graffy yeah. Studio hosted a workshop at a castle in the northern Dolomites. I'm probably might might be saying that wrong, but in the mountains. Yeah, that's right. And Sue. You know, obviously, Sue was an instructor. She was the host of it. And Terry Hofford and Kara Marie and Matthew Jordan Smith were all there. I was there. A lot of the mentors were there. And we had 60 students. And it was absolutely incredible. And then while we're in this, staying in this castle, the locals um, volunteer and cook the the meals for us. And then in return, Graffy donates some, I don't know exactly what they do, but I think it's they donate money to the community the super small community up there, just the schools, I believe, or the library, something like that. Anyway, so we got to eat the local, locally handmade cooked pasta and everything every day. It was amazing. Yes. Served to us by those people who we've, you know, we were at the castle, but it felt like we were invited into somebody's home yeah. and they were serving us with so much love and excitement about their food and their yeah. culture and their community. It was I may have drank some gin and tonics with fresh yes. rosemary sprigs with them at like two in the morning. Is that, is that right? <laughs> I totally well, bonded my- with one of the 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 wife of the main the guy who was the main cook chef, and okay. his wife and I really bonded. She spoke English, and she's my new friend. Oh, anyway, that's awesome. Well, I was in the Aperol Spritz. Camp. Oh, nice the happy hour camp at the end of each workshop day, (laughs) which was also a great place to be. Well, and if you're listening and I know we're not trying to be like, oh, we were in Italy. There will be another chance. Like like if this is something that you're interested in, they are doing another one next year. So, which I plan to be at unless something weird happens, but I should be there. So yeah, well, pretty awesome. um, Yeah, I would absolutely encourage anybody to do it because it was was really an amazing experience. Well, and that's when we started chatting more about your business because, I mean, we know each other just from social media and stuff, but, you know, we just had a, gosh, a long heart-to-heart one day about business and you just have a really interesting business. And something that I really love about you is that you kind of just keep your head down and do your thing and it's not a whole lot of well, what are they charging and comparing to the photographer down the street? And mm. you're just kind of like 
doing your thing and making it work for yourself. And you have this like multifaceted photography business in so many different ways. So I thought, I thought I'd have you on to talk about it. Well, thank you. Well, I'm excited and and you definitely summed me up pretty pretty well. So <laughs> great, great observation. Well, why don't you start, Heather, by telling people what are the different parts of your business and we'll kind of go from there. Okay. So I am a portrait photographer and studio owner based in Annapolis, Maryland, which is just outside of Washington, D.C. If you've not been here before or don't know the area. I specialize in headshots and corporate photography. So that is really has become, not necessarily by my choice initially, but has become the largest part of my portrait business. I also do seasonal child and family portraits, which is where it all started for me. And I also do boutique school photography, which has become one of my true loves. That's also seasonal because it's taking place at school. And in addition to that, I rent my studio. I now have a second studio. So I've heard you interview Leslie and other people who have a kind of a similar studio model to mine where Mm -hmm. we're renting it out to other photographers and for events. And I recently opened a second space up to do like a little bit more of that. So my business is really lots of different compartments and I love each compartment, so I can't let any compartment go. Right. But yeah, I really do a number of different things. Okay. There's so many things I want to talk about, so I'm just going to do this in chunks. And I want to start by talking about your studio. So is this something that, you know, you're just renting it out to others to help cover the cost of rent, or is it, you know, lucrative where it's bringing you in extra income? Or like, tell us a little bit about the two studios you have. Okay. So that's a great question. So I have been shooting for 15 years. I'll start with that. So I've been at this game a while. Um, Initially starting out of my home on location, right? So my home was my office, but I didn't shoot at home. I moved into my first retail space in 2010 into like an actual studio in town. And it was a a little bit of an experiment like, oh, let's just see how this goes. And just as I got my feet wet and really loved the experience of having everything out of my home at that time, I really wasn't shooting in studio, but it was a great place to get all the stuff out of my house. I know everybody can relate to the boxes coming from labs and vendors. And you know, if you have employees, employees in the house. So just as I got my feet on solid footing, the landlord said, yeah, actually, we're going to need this space back. (laughs) And I was seven months pregnant with my second child. So here I'm now, I've gotten it all out of the house, excited to be in a studio, and the studio is basically essentially taken away. So fortunately, I found another space that I loved very quickly, moved everything over there, had a baby, and then ultimately reopened. And I operated out of that space for about six years. And the space that I'm in now, which I've been in about five years, when it first came available, I was in the process of actually re-signing my lease and my other space. And my real estate broker, who's also a friend, kind of just very out of the blue said, hey, what about, you know, what about 209 West Street? And I have to say very humbly, it's a beautiful space. So he says this to me and I kind of laughed and I said, oh yeah, right. Like there's, there's no way I could swing that. It's 2000 square feet. It's natural light, brick walls. It's in a historic building. 
But, and I know this is something we hear from Sue all the time, you plant the seed in a woman's mind about something that she might want and then get out of the way because we do what it takes to make it happen. (laughs) So once he planted that seed, I started thinking like, okay, how do I make this work? So to answer your question, initially it was, who can I rent to? What can I do with this space when I'm not using it to just help offset the difference in rent that I'm paying from where I came from to where I want to be? So initially it was, you know, a couple of photographers. It was a very slow start, but then, you know, somebody needed the space for a meeting. Somebody wanted to host a birthday party. It was come one, come all, and we would sort of take anything that came our way from a rental standpoint. But what it's evolved to five years later, it's now its own business P&L, its own, you know, it's its own business freestanding from me. And I think of myself as a, a tenant or somebody else renting that space when I need it. So it really has become its own business entity. And I'm actually considering, I listened to your um, podcast with Leslie and unfortunately didn't have a chance to talk with her when we were in Italy, but I'm really curious to see what she's doing with her new space and new spaces because I think the idea of perhaps a photographer membership or, you know, just doing some things to to even raise the bar further is what I'm looking at with what I'll call space number one or what we refer to as downstairs. Okay. And then the way the the second space or what we refer to as upstairs evolved was I was finding, you know, downstairs is my studio first and foremost. But I found myself taking my work off the walls where there's a baby shower or a bridal shower or, you know, a corporate meeting. They don't want portraits on the walls. So we'd take everything down off the walls, put them in the office, and then that thing would be over and we'd put everything back up on the, on the walls. Well, you can imagine after doing that more than a handful of times, guess what happened? Oh, it would drive me crazy. It was maddening. Then nothing went back on the walls. So now I'm operating my portrait studio out of what is essentially this big, beautiful white box, but I'm I'm not imprinted anywhere. And I started to feel like it wasn't even my space. I didn't have a home. I didn't have work for clients to see when they mm-hmm. came in. I mean, we all know the value of walking into a beautifully appointed studio with beautiful work on the walls and albums. And, you know, that's a silent salesperson. And we're all wowed by the products that we carry and, and giving clients the opportunity what they can do with the art and the the images that we're creating. So basically I was operating in this beautiful but sterile space and I started to feel like a little homeless from the photography standpoint. So the space upstairs from me, I'm in a building I should mention, it's a hundred plus years old. It's called the livery and it was the livery in, you know, colonial Annapolis where horses were kept and so it has a really interesting history. So upstairs in this amazing building, a smaller space became available and I saw it. And as soon as I walked in, I was like, okay, again, now I need to figure out how to make this happen. So I took that space last summer. I have a couple of photographers who rent it with some frequency, which helps offset the expenses up there. But that I'm really making my space. It won't be an event space. I do rent very selectively to a couple of photographers, but I'm now getting my work on the walls, my albums on the coffee tables. 
All of the walls up there are painted different colors. The furniture is very conducive to headshots and branding and the, and the kind of photography that I'm shooting. So it really, that's now becoming my home. And I shoot downstairs when it's appropriate, depending on the job that I'm doing. I love that. That's awesome. And it's interesting because I think I think sometimes people think when they have a space that it has to be only rented to photographers. And it's it's interesting how you kind of went in a like did you plan on initially renting it out to other like for events like you said for baby showers and corporate meetings and that sort of thing or did it kind of evolve into that? I did. And actually, initially, I wasn't very keen on renting it to photographers because it felt like it was my space right. and my stuff yes. and mm-hmm. my work. But over the years as I've built you know, relationships with other photographers in my community and I've just really seen the need for this big white box to shoot in, it's evolved into photography. But initially, it was really more – my idea was really more around events, corporate workshops. I've had a few photographers and other educators who have hosted workshops there. So it, it really – started with photography being secondary or on a very limited basis. Yeah. Now, I'm curious what like what type of work goes into this for you personally? Like does it feel like a second job or is it more of a passive income type situation? Um it is it's I would not call it passive income. I definitely have help. I don't do it all alone because when you're talking about, especially you're talking about weekend events, baby showers are not on a Tuesday afternoon. Baby showers mm-hmm. are on Saturday at 11 a.m. And somebody needs to be there to open and greet the guests and make sure that there's toilet paper in the bathroom and you know all of the things that it takes to make an event space run. So I do have help with that. I'm not doing that all on my own. The communication aspect with clients, I do some on my own. I also have folks that work with me in the studio in a, you know, limited and in some cases virtual capacity. You know, COVID changed everything for all of us in so many ways. So a lot of that can be done, you know, with somebody in their jammies on their laptop to communicate with clients. So it definitely is is not passive. It's its own business entity and, and as such has its own time and energy requirements to keep the wheels turning, but it is very doable. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so and we have so much more to talk about, but is there any sort of advice that you would give to someone maybe if they wanted to implement this? And, and granted, I think most of our listeners at this point might be looking at renting out their own, you know, the space that they're shooting in. Mm -hmm. And I know you said you had to let, you have to like take things off the wall and that sort of thing, but I don't know. Is there any advice that you would give to someone if they wanted to do do something? Yeah. I think that my advice would be, and maybe just giving you a little bit teeny weeny bit of history. I really think of myself as a business person, entrepreneur first, and a photographer and a studio owner and all of that second. So I think you have to just have good business sense to, you know, running a photography business in and of itself, especially for a lot of people who come into this as a photographer and as an artist and they're learning the business part second. I think you just have to be really clear that it's not just 
hey, I can, you know, find a few people to rent from time to time, right? It has its own website. It has its own social media. It has its own systems and communication and CRM. So it really is its own business entity. And as easy as it may feel like, oh, great, this is a way that I can rent my studio and and earn some income, really think it through and just make sure that the business of being a studio owner is something that you want to add to your plate in addition to the business of being a photographer. Right. That makes sense. I mean, it's, it's a, you're marketing to something totally different than your, Mm -hmm. than your regular clients. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So moving forward, I want to talk a, a little bit about your, because this is something we talked a lot about in Italy, is your your school portraits that are, are it's like modern school portraits that, that you kind of yes. call it. Will you tell yes. us a little bit about that? Yes. So we all have an idea when you say school pictures, we have an idea of what that looks like. And I know you have two adorable boys. I'm sure you have your share mm-hmm. of school pictures that- They're very entertaining. Um, leave a little to be desired, right? It's sometimes, mm-hmm. oh, everyone's eyes are open. That's a win. Oh, he or she's like looking at the camera intentionally, not cute, candid looking off camera, but you know, disinterested looking off camera. So I think we all have an idea of what traditional school photography can be. Maybe it's laser beams in the background or <laughs> a water wheel or you name a it. Christmas. Right? I'm like, what? Christmas. first of all, what if not everyone celebrates Christmas? And second right. of all, why do I want like Christmas pictures up of my kids year round? It just makes year no round, sense to me. Like, right? What? I so don't we, get it. Yes. So we all know what that looks like. And about 13, 14 years ago, I was approached by a preschool through a friend of my husband's it's a long story that I won't, you know, leave all those details out. But I was approached about the idea of offering school pictures at this very beautiful and amazing private preschool that is happens to be an hour and a half away from me. And I tell you that because it'll it'll make sense in a second as to to why I'm still doing it. So when I was approached with this idea, like, I don't do school pictures, right? We're boutique portrait photographers. I don't do school photography because my idea of school photography was exactly what you and I just talked about. So in conversation with the director, who I adore, we started kind of back and forth. And I said, well, what could I shoot outside? Yes. Could I photograph the children with their siblings? Yes. Do they have to be in uniform or can they be in cute clothes that mom's mom picks out? Yes. So shoot, do I have to shoot with lights? No, you can shoot out in natural light. At the time, I didn't know anything about shooting with strobes and off-camera flash and lighting. So I was all natural light. So she's saying yes to all of my demands. Not that I was demanding, but you get it. So then I said like, okay, I'll give it a try. And honestly, the reason that I said yes was not about the school pictures, but it was about getting in front of the parents of those children Mm -hmm, because it mm -hmm. was in a wonderful area, Washington, D.C. suburb. I was child and family photography 100% at this time. And we all are looking to get in front of our ideal client, right? That's our goal, regardless of what genre you're photographing. You want to get in front of your ideal client. So this for me was a way to get in front of my, what I perceived to be my ideal client. So I said yes, 
And then I realized, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. There are 200, at the time, there were 200 children at the school and there were two campuses. And I've said yes. And I'm going to do their siblings. And it's an hour and a half away from my, my home. So I went into a little bit of a frenzy, as I think we've all taken on that job that we <laughs> realize in the moment seems uh-huh. like a really good idea, but then we have to figure it out. And Been so, there. We've <laughs> been there, right? I know I know your story too, Nikki. I know you can relate. And I think everybody listening, whether it's you know school pictures or a headshot job that was a headshot job that was too big or you know 60 people in an extended family portrait, we've all been in that space of, uh-oh, what do I do now? So I kind of went to work and and figured out a plan and put some pricing together. And, you know, keep in mind, this was all about just delivering for the parents. And what I essentially did was created like little mini, mini sessions. That's sort of what it is of the same work that I was producing during a child and family portrait session. It was just very abbreviated but it looked like my work. I approached it from exactly the same way, obviously price different, but that's how this genre for me started. And it's grown into those two private preschools that I still do, as well as five other schools that I've added over the years. And I love it. So I should should add, yes, I got in front of those parents. Some of those families I see every single year and have seen every single year since I first photographed their children 14 years ago. Are you just seeing them for the for their school portraits every year or are you booking them into no, a full session? I'm booking them into family sessions. Okay. Because keep in mind, 14 years ago, some of these kids are now graduating from high school, right? I saw them in preschool. So I may have only seen them at their preschool for two, three years, maybe longer, depending on what age they were when I started. But they're now taller than me and graduating from high school (laughs) and adults. But yet I'm still seeing them for family portraits. So yes, that first mission accomplished. Absolutely. I built great relationships with those parents and I see them maybe not every year, but repeatedly for family portraits. I'm also seeing them for headshots when mom and dad need headshots or their company needs me to come in and do headshots. But what I found was very quickly, school photography is very profitable if you do it the right way. So that became kind of the icing on the cake of this whole, you know, approaching this, this genre when I started. Oh, there's so much to talk about. Tell me briefly, how does it work as far as structuring the school portrait pricing? How do you do that? Okay. So I have various packages. They start at $35. I know our portrait photographers right now are cringing and going, oh my gosh, $35. I don't sell anything for $35. But when I'm photographing maybe 30 to 40 children over the course of an hour, you know, that $35 entry package, which a handful of people buy, most people are all in with a small digital collection to put it in terms that our portrait photographer folks can understand, which is upwards of a hundred, a hundred and thirty dollars. You know, start to do the math on what volume can be spending an hour, two hours, three hours at a preschool. It adds up really quickly. So when you say adds up, I mean in my head, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think what I paid for my kids. I was like. 
I think I paid like 60 bucks for all the digitals and some prints or something. Like, is that about right? That's so I charge more than that. That's what most school photography, like if you ask a parent, how much do you spend on school pictures? And we're talking about, we'll call them the traditional pictures. I won't mention any of the big chains or any of those big names, but most people say, oh, I end up spending like 50 or $60. Do you love them? No. Why do you buy them? Because I need to mark the time, right? I want to mark the time that they were in second grade or fifth grade or eighth grade or pre-K, whatever it is. So, so parents are buying something that they don't actually even want because they feel like they need to and they want to mark the time. So when I can bring them images that they love, it's a no-brainer. And they end up spending, I mean, I, I literally have families where there may be three or four children at school, and those families spend more on school pictures than many of the child and family photographers in my area are spending on a full session, including digital files. Wow. Wow. So, you know, yeah, it's it's great. Do you do like different packages or is it just... I do. Yeah. yeah. So I have different pa- uh, print packages that I, that I offer. I have some digital packages. I offer package discounts if they buy multiple packages or, you know, like for you, if, if I photographed your two boys and then you also bought their sibling images, there would be a discount on the packages for the sibling images. So yeah, there in the same way that traditional school photography offers a variety of packages, I do too. They just tend to be more thoughtful in that the packages include things that people actually want. So they're eight by tens, five by sevens, wallets, where some of the big traditional chains offer like, okay, you're going to get 57 postage sized stamped, (laughs) but right. Do you know what I mean? Where it just Uh has like all that fluff in it that kind of beefs it up and makes it look like you're getting a lot, but really there's only one five by seven. There's only one usable print in that package. And then you've got all this other stuff that goes, if, if you have a desk drawer that looks like mine in the kitchen, the rest of it goes in that drawer. Yes. That's where mine are right now. <laughs> yes, exactly. You pull the one out out of desperation for um, grandma, for Mother's Day or Christmas or whatever, and then you're left with all that those little junky ones that you don't even need and you don't even have the print size that you want. Yes, exactly. All right. So how do you then take these kind of mini school sessions and transition them into a full family session? Okay. That's a great question. So I use an online platform for parents to view and order their photos. So some traditional school photography companies, you have to prepay or there's like a paper order form, total nightmare for the school. So mine is all online. So parents can view their child's images in a password protected gallery. So they're only seeing their children and no one else is seeing their children. And that's also how they order the images and how the images are delivered. So the digital files are sent to them automatically. Prints go to the lab. They magically, like all this magic happens in the cloud and then the prints arrive on mom and dad's doorstep. So because of that system, I have the email addresses of all of those parents that are both viewing and ordering their children's images. And then those email addresses I can use in a CRM or, or right from that platform to market directly to parents 
for all of the other things that I do. So they basically are just kind of brought into my mailing list for simplicity's sake. Yeah. And then they, you know, they've seen my work. Their children have engaged with me. It's so funny for people, and this is true for other people that do what I do. I can be at Target or the grocery store or out in the world and kids will literally say, mom, that's Miss Heather. Because oh. I've met the children and in some cases, I see the children year after year. But if it's not, if I don't photograph the whole family, I've never actually met the parents. And they're like, oh, that's Miss Heather. She takes my picture at school. So that's just kind of a funny aside. But but I've, you know, I'm building a connection with the children. I have pre-delivered to the parents. They know I can deliver in advance of them ever booking me for a family session because they see what I've been able to do with their child or children in three minutes right. at school, right. no less. So it's, you know, it's not just that I'm being referred to them. I've already proven my ability to deliver for them before they ever hire me to photograph their family or their company headshots or Yeah, whatever. it's brilliant. It really is. And you're also, I mean, building your email list, I think is incredibly important. And the fact that you can build it in that way because they've already had this you know, interaction with you. And now at any time at your disposal, you have all these people to market to. Yes, that's exactly right. And because my style of school photography is my style, it looks like other than the fact that it's taken at school and maybe there's a little white picket fence or maybe there's a little set of steps with some flowers, it, it's on location child photography. It just happens to be at school, but it doesn't really identify a school. So I'm not using a plain backdrop. I'm not using the wagon wheel or the Christmas scene or the, the laser beams. It's not just about the quality of the way the child looks in the photograph. It's an on-location image. So it really, what mom and dad see during their family session, it looks the same. There's nothing, I don't have to explain anything because they are already seeing it in action. Yeah, I love that. It's my work just in a really different, you know, minute time frame in a different setting. So then are you reaching out via email to say like, you know, hey, you know, I'm the photographer who did your child's school photos and, you know, do you give them a gift voucher? Like, how are you then making them- Specifically marketing? Yeah, a couple different things. So one of the things that I specifically market to is Santa. We bring Santa into the downstairs studio because of the size and so on. It's perfect. So I will specifically market to my area preschools with Santa before Santa ever goes live to the rest of my mailing list and the rest of my community, if you will. So it may not necessarily be a discount, but it may be VIP booking. You're going to get first crack at these dates because it will sell out. And the same is true with, I do holiday minis and I've been doing them for years and they sell out also. So I'm not really even having to offer any discount or promotion. I'm just giving them the opportunity to book first as a VIP and we'll communicate that to them so they kind of first crack at the schedule. I like that because, you know, honestly, the reason I don't really have photos with my kids with Santa, oh, this is so bad. I'm like parenting <laughs> fail. I don't want to go to the mall and like stand right. in a line for an hour. Like, ugh. Yes. Sounds yes. dreadful. And I, 
<laughs> I that's how Santa evolved for me. I had a um I have two girls that are now 16 and 11 and they were little and we were I forgot to book Santa and my little one was like barely I guess she was not quite three because she wasn't potty trained. And I say that because literally after we waited for two and a half li- hours in line on Christmas Eve, she wet her pants when we were third in line. Oh my gosh. And Sounds I looked horrible. at my husband and I Sounds said, horrible. we will never no. do this again. No. And then Santa, I got my own Santa the next year and Santa came to me and we we booked Santa at the studio. So I hear you. That's how Santa evolved for me. I think so much of what we do evolves from a problem, uh-huh. either our problem, a client problem, we're problem solvers. Let me solve your problem. Yeah. Well, it's funny because there's the, where I live in in Chelsea, Michigan. There's a photographer, Kelsey, captured by Kelsey, I think is her business, and she um, there's a there's a jewelry store near or in downtown, and there's like this alley right next door. It's like a cute. We have a cute little old downtown. And the jewelry store owner talked her into doing, because she doesn't, normally doesn't do like Santa photos, you know, it's not really her thing, but she got talked into doing it and it was the first year that she had done it. So it wasn't really, not everyone knew about it yet. And she mentioned it to me and I was like, oh, I'm totally coming. And we were like one of the first ones there. It took five minutes. She took the most adorable yeah. photo of my kids with Santa Claus. And then I got a link and I purchased the digital and it was great. I loved it. Yeah. So easy. Yep. And we, you know, parents come in there. They also, you know, because my community, I think is a little bit larger than yours, but there's a lot of everybody knows everybody. Mm -hmm. So while we're photographing children and doing the Santa thing, the parents are mingling and having a cup of coffee and having a completely different experience than what you and I have experienced at the mall. Right. So smart. Okay. So now these parents are getting to meet you, the ones who haven't met you yet. Now they're meeting you at the Santa thing. Exactly, exactly. And they're, you know, I'll call it seeing me in action. It's really more like I think of myself as 75% photographer and 25% circus sideshow. And those percentages (laughs) change depending on the shoot. But I am in constant motion and I'm on the ground with the kids. And, you know, I think I'm pretty entertaining or at least the kids seem to think so. So I think it just puts parents at ease and they then feel like they get to know me and, you know, it's steamrolls from there. Yeah, that's awesome. And having your own space, I feel like this is another little perk to having your own event space, really. You could have the Easter bunny. You could have, you know, just a Mother's Day thing. I mean, you could have Mother's Day and and so many. And, you know, this goes to one of the, the things when we start talking about advice, but I can say it now there is this idea just because I can doesn't mean I should. And I, I kind of rein myself in sometimes because I have a friend in Atlanta who does so well with exactly what you just described. Mother's Day, First Communion, Easter Bunny, uh, like an actual bunny, not the creepy big one, but the actual <laughs> right. like live live animal bunny. And Santa, and she does like days of these events and it's volume and she does so well. And there's a part of me, I'm like, I should do that. Nope, I'm good. I'm going to kind of stay in my lane. But to your point, when you have your own space, you have the luxury to do whatever you want and to take advantage of an opportunity in so many different ways than when you don't. Yeah, definitely. And there's, I mean, 
okay, now my brain is really going. I'm, and and I, I highly <laughs> doubt you would want to do something like this, but you could like charge just coming in the door, you know, or do what Kelsey did. And if you want the digital, you have to buy it. Or if you want prints, you have to buy it afterwards. It's like, it's almost like a school. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I, my Santa, the Santa, that's what they do. Like the parents, they sign up, they book the Santa session. So there's a fee to book the Santa session. It includes, you know, X number of images. And then if they want to purchase the entire gallery of images, they do that online. Oh, okay. After the fact. So this isn't just a like meet and greet. Like you're making. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, absolutely. No. Got it. Yeah. No, 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 no. I am, I am charging for that. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. And then from there, are you then convincing them to do a a full family shoot? I think it's, you know, I, I would hate to use the word convince. I think that I continue to market to them and you know, I've been in my town for a long time photographing countless children, families, et cetera. So I'd like to think I'm fairly known in my area as a go-to family photographer. So I think if anything, it's just reiterating that message. You know, we all know from marketing that people need to see and hear a message multiple times before they make a decision. So I think this probably just becomes another one of those times, right? It's just one more tick on that tick box of how many times have they seen the message that then ultimately leads them to make the decision to book me for something else. Right. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about marketing and social media and all of that, because with all of these different, I mean, obviously you can't, or maybe you can, I don't know, have a social media page that has school pictures mixed with headshots mixed with family photos. I mean, how do you, how do you make all this happen? Okay, so this is where all the people listening that aren't very good at social media are sitting and hoping that I say I don't do a very good job of it because I don't. <laughs> um, and I say that with all humility. So I have one, well, actually I have two Instagrams. The studio does have its own Instagram. I have one social media page and I cringe when you see how infrequently it's updated because I'm busy and, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think it's one of those things and I'm like, I'm this time it's going to be different. And I actually have somebody now who's even helping me with it, but she's waiting on me to get her the stuff. So this is an area from a business standpoint where I don't give myself a very high grade. That being said, I do have it all there. It's headshots, it's school pictures, it's family portraits. I think it probably has a seasonal. If you look back over it, it's like, oh, it's fall. It must be family portrait time. Oh, it's, you know, early spring. It must be headshot time. Oh, it's, you know, spring and early fall and it's school picture time. So for me, it's all there. I don't do a very good job of operating the one that I have. I can't imagine operating many. But, but, I say that I think what makes it work is it's all my work. It all looks the same. There's consistency in my work. So whether it was an image taken of a child at school or a child with their family in the park or an on-location headshot or even a studio headshot, it looks like my work. I think the greatest compliment that we can get as photographers, and I know 
Many of us hear this, and I love to give this compliment. When I look at an image and I can say, Nikki Klosser took that image. Mm-hmm. I, love that. I love when information, that happens. <laughs> right? Don't you, like, you give yourself a little high five, right? Because it speaks to us defining and knowing who we are as photographers. And con- that consistency also tells your client they know what they're going to get. And maybe... It's what somebody wants. Maybe somebody else's consistency and what they do is what somebody wants. But I think the confidence that that gives a client when they book us, regardless of what it's for, is really, really valuable. So looking across my social media, it's all different stuff, but it all looks like me. Right. Now, how do you manage all of these different things? You've got the studio rentals and the school photographs. And, you know, Santa and special events. And then you have headshots on personal branding. How do you manage it all? That's that's a good question. And if you asked my husband or my family, they would tell you sometimes <laughs> not very well. Um, I do have help. I'm actually in a little bit of a transition now with some of my team. I will tell you straight up, all of my editing and retouching is outsourced for awesome. everything. So I I'm not... All that good at it. I've I've done Pratik's class. I've watched the video, and I just I'm not very good at it, and I don't enjoy it. So it's all outsourced across the board. Occasionally, if I have to do something in a in a hurry for somebody, I can do it, of course. But everything gets outsourced. So that's number one. And I think we all know what a huge piece of the puzzle that is, regardless huge. of what genre. <laughs> so that's outsourced. I have help at the studio with some of those logistics that we talked about earlier. And I'm actually bringing somebody in to take over the admin side, that laptop in your jammies, answering the client emails and inquiries. I have somebody that's coming on board to take that off of my plate. And I'm actually bringing in a production assistant, which I'm super excited about this fall. And she will be doing all of my culling. She will send the images out to retouch. She will do the backside of the school pictures piece, loading those galleries and doing all of that like production-y computer stuff. And my hope is that I can get to a point this fall where really I am focused on shooting and connecting with people to book more shoots. Yeah, that's wonderful. How do you find these people to work with? Well, that's the hard part. I think that's the struggle that so many of us have. My editor, I have worked with forever. So I've had a retoucher for a long time. And the young gal that is coming in to do, no, it's a trial. We'll see how it goes. I hope by the time your listeners hear this, it's going well. (laughs) But it's somebody that approached me and said she was like, wanted to learn this. She isn't necessarily interested in the photography side, which I think a lot of people come to us and they want to learn. They want to be photography interns. They don't want to do some of the icky stuff. And I think I've gotten to the point where, okay, I'm going to teach you some of what you want to know, but I also need you to do what I need. And you need to know as as a future photographer that all of this behind the scenes production and emailing and computer stuff, it's about probably... 80% of what we do, right? I don't know for you what percentage it is, but the photography, the being with the camera in our hand and all the fun and taking the pictures and engaging with the people, that really is such a small part of what we do that I think somebody coming in as a photography intern needs to also know that. 
right? Yeah. The photography yeah. piece is the icing on the cake. The business running is is where the hard work and most of the time really lies. You know, I want to bring something up quickly. Now, if you've ever listened to this podcast or listened to any of my courses or, you know, anything on the portrait system, I am an open book. I share about my business, my life, how I do everything. Like I literally keep nothing to, you know, I'm I'm such an open book. The time piece is is the part that I really hold sacred. I've got two small children. And even if I didn't have children, that time should still be sacred to me. There are times when my best girlfriends and I are looking at the calendar like, well, shit, when are we going to even get together? Because we're all, we just all have a million things going on. And finding that time is, you know, to do the, the most important things in the world to me is always going to be my priority. Now, I'm saying this because you know, when, when you become an educator and that sort of thing, of course you want to help people and you want to like give it all. But sometimes people will reach out and they'll say things like, hey, you know, can I just like buy you a cup of coffee or pick your brain mm. for 20 minutes? And I'm like, well, first of all, I don't drink coffee, but, um, <laughs> but you know, can I pick your brain just for 20 minutes or whatever? And it's like, oh my gosh, it's not that I don't want to help you because <laughs> I do. Like I want mm-hmm. everyone to be super successful. But the, the way that you are going to get someone to respond to you is what are the, what are you going to give them in return? That's right. So like if someone said, you know, and I think I've said this before, like I remember I had a girl, she wanted to shadow me in my studio and she was like, I'll come clean your studio for you. And I was like, you will? Um, done and done. <laughs> you know, I, I don't expect people to come clean my studio. You know, this mm-hmm. was a younger girl, whatever. But like, if you can find a way to add value to the person that you're asking time from them, you know, and that's mm-hmm. why I have these courses and because I've got it all just like in one place and it's all right there instead of regurgitating the same information to a million people over and over and over. But all I'm saying is like, when you said people want to come be an intern, it's like, what what is the equal like value of exchange, the give and take? It needs to feel equal otherwise the person who is doing the, the teaching for free is going to start to feel resentful and they're not going to want to continue to answer your questions. If the, You know, it's just be mindful is, is all I'm saying. When you're reaching out to someone and asking for their information that they have spent a long time working really hard at building that and growing that or whatever, just be mm-hmm. mindful that you're going to be giving something to them to make it feel like they want to give you that information. Am I making any sense? You absolutely are. And I think, you know, it's something that we also, even as long in our businesses and as long as we've been in this field, I know there are people that I look up to and there's information from them that I love. You've, you're one of them. I love your personal branding course. And let's say I did want to approach you. Nikki, I love what you do. Do you offer mentoring? Mm-hmm. Right right off of the bat, I'm letting you know that what you have is valuable to me and I don't expect you to give it to me for free. Yeah. And then yeah. if you say, oh, you know what? I've got time for, a, you know, it's just a quick question, what, whatever. But I think when you open with, is this something that you offer? And I think the word mentoring, you sort of assume payment goes with that. That's maybe one way that that people can approach because regardless of what level we are, there's always somebody above us that we want to learn from. Totally. And I'm happy to pay for it. I will. Yes, me but, too. And I 
know that sometimes when people are at the beginning of their career, they don't have a, a ton of money to shell out for courses and education. Lord knows I didn't have a whole lot of money to shell out for that, you know, but I remember I wanted to learn from a photographer, a wedding photographer. So I reached out to him and was like, hey, you know, I'll second shoot for you for free if you're willing to have me. And he was like, heck yeah, like, come on down, you know? Yeah. And it was just, an, to him, that was an even exchange. You know, it's like, even just, like I said, even just 20, 30 minutes, like that's time that I could be, you know, go out to breakfast with a girlfriend that I haven't seen in forever because I just am always juggling. It's the time factor, you know? It's like when I hardly have time yes. to spend. To and, do the, yes, Yeah, the things that yes. are most important to me in my in my whole life. I don't know. I hope, I'm not trying to like beat a dead horse right here, but I hate that expression. No, and I, mean? I completely agree. But the other thing, and I think this is something that we, we all sort of need to be thoughtful of because sometimes, oh, it's just 20 minutes, right? It feels like nothing. But let's say that somebody schedules a call. I agree. And I say, yep, sure. I can, I'm going to be in my office on Monday. We can talk at 10, right? They have a couple quick questions. Well, that means whatever I'm doing up until 10 o'clock where I'm in my headspace, maybe I am doing something on social media. I'm actually, you know, putting something on Instagram, whatever I'm working on, that's what I'm doing. Now I have to stop my brain, shift gears into whatever is important to the person I'm about to talk to Maybe I do only talk to them for 15 or 20 minutes, but then that stops. And now I have to shift gears back to what I was working on. And for me, I'm really starting to realize just how much that shifting impacts mm-hmm. the quality of my work. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I know, I know when people reach out, they are important to me. Like, I like people. I like when people me reach too. out to me. <laughs> I, like, I like you. I like you know, just people like I do. And I love helping people. Imagine though, if every time someone wanted 20 minutes, I wouldn't be able to work. Like I wouldn't, you know, at what point it's like, it's hard, you know, it's one of those like, it's like, I want to not. Okay. I'm not saying everyone wants 20 minutes for me. I'm sure there are people out there who are like, Nikki, I don't want, I don't need your 20 minutes. Like I totally, (laughs) I get that too. But you know what I mean? It's like, it's just, it puts you in a tough situation sometimes because you're like, yes, oh, yes. I wish I had well, all the time. Yeah. But this is also why you created an amazing course that answers all the questions that somebody can buy and learn all the things from you. You yeah, know, I think that's the beauty of online education. There's literally nothing that you can't go find the answers to yeah. with, if you have a credit That's card. That's so true. <laughs> right? So. And gosh, Sue went through that a lot too. You know, it was really hard for her where people would reach out and, you know, you only have so much time in the day and so much energy and, and love to give. And, you know, some people would get pissed like, oh, you're not giving me enough attention or whatever. And she's like, oh my gosh, I can only do so much. <sighs> like I'm one person, yeah. you know, it's like, mm-hmm. but anyway, so I guess my point is, through all of that, I didn't mean to sound like, you know, whining or whatever, but through all of that, if you are someone out there who wants to learn from another another photographer and not just buying a course or whatever, like how can you add value to that person? What can you do for them? They are way more likely to say yes to you if you are offering something in return. So get creative with how you're going to do that. So anyway, get off my soapbox. Amen. Yeah. Yes. 
And and speaking of, you are either in the process of creating or you have created your own education around school portraits. Is that right? Yes. So I have had so many people over the years approach me about, how'd you get started? How do you manage all those kids? Because it can feel a little overwhelming. It's such a different genre, like the word volume photography, which is the way the school pictures and the sports world and the dance world, that's the way that they refer to that genre. And we as portrait photographers hear volume photography and immediately want to run in the other direction because it feels like overwhelming <laughs> and how on us how on earth do we do that? And it it really is it has its own systems, just like the systems that we use in our in our portrait businesses. So I've had so many people over the years approach me. I've done mentoring, exactly as you said. And then you start to realize, wait, I'm saying the same thing over and over again. I need to to put this in course format. So my program is called Modern School Pictures. That's basically the, the platform where that education will live. And that is something that I have in the works. So if somebody's interested in what it takes to be a school photographer, I would love to talk to them about it. Awesome. Very cool. Well, actually, this kind of leads me into um, the last questions that I have for you. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. So first, why don't you tell us where people can find you online and you know if they want to learn more? So my personal website is heathercrowder.com. My Instagram, which I hope I've updated by the time you hear this, is at Heather Crowder. And my studios, if you're interested in that whole studio discussion, the studio is Lightbox209. And my school pictures educational space is modernschoolpictures.com. All right. Awesome. Okay. So back to the other questions. Question number one is, uh, what's something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? Well, this might be something that is also in your wheelhouse, Nikki, because I think we're about the same size, and that is my footstool when mm. I am shooting corporate and headshots and in the studio because I am five feet tall, and most of the people I photograph are taller than that. I do a lot of people photograph a lot of people standing, and after literally falling off of chairs and things in offices, <laughs> I now actually travel with my own little portable footstool. Nice. And that's a awesome. close second is a spider holster, because oh, yeah. I think we Same. all have one arm that's longer than the other from holding <laughs> our camera. So Cool. I can't live without mine either. I love it. Yes. I've had the same one since I think I got mine in 2012 or something. Me too. Going on yeah, 10 years. Still going of that strong. Mm-hmm. I'm actually, no, I take that back. I may have replaced the plate at one point, but I still okay. have the same. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Okay. Yeah, it's amazing. Mine's the same. Yes. Okay. And number two is how do you spend your time when you're not working? So my family would probably say I don't spend enough time not working. I think that's something that many of us suffer from because we love what we do. It's a little bit of a blessing and a curse. But we uh, love to be outside. We snow ski. We love to ride bikes and hike and really do anything and everything outside. I love to cook when I don't have to cook. When it's my choice to cook, I mm-hmm. love to do fun things in the kitchen. And oh, I, I think you may yes. have mentioned that before. Yes. And I love to work in the yard and garden. I have total garden envy of all that you've got going on in your garden. Mine is quite sad and I'm going to blame it on work travel at the time <laughs> when I should have been planting all the things. So I'm, I'm living vicariously through your garden, but I okay. just, I'm definitely an outdoor person and love to be outside. Now, if it makes you feel any better, I had no idea how much I would love my garden. I feel like Dan has to like rip me out of the garden. 
because oh. I could like be in there all day. However, dude, these things that are happening, Heather, that no one warned me about, not that anyone was, you know, obligated to warn me about all these things, but like cabbage worms attacked my cauliflower and my Brussels sprouts. I think I lost my cauliflower for good. The Brussels sprouts look like they might end up being okay. Cauliflower is done for. What's happening with the cucumbers? What are those things oh, on the cucumbers? Apparently the little black spots, like the pokey things are normal for pickling cucumbers. Oh, okay. The special okay. variety. Wondered if that was some sort of creepy mite no. or worm or bug or pest. Nope. And of course, I'm sure you want to be all organic. So yes. you can't 100%. kill it with the things that you could kill no. all the things with. Yeah. No, but I'm learning so much spraying with like hydrogen peroxide and oh. neem oil and like all of these things that I had no idea. Oh, and baking baking soda and a little bit of dish soap. I mean, I've just, I've done all of it because oh. like then I was overwatering my tomatoes and I didn't realize it. Uh, but now I know. So I went out and got this like moisture reader. I don't, all oh I'm saying God. is like I've spent all the time and and I, it's still half of it's happy garden and half of it's like very sad. So anyways, learning. It's all learning, right? Well, focus yeah. on the happy side of the garden. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So the, those are my things. I just um, – but I really – I hate for it to sound cliche, but I also love what I do. Like I love – business and the systems and all the stuff that it takes to make a business go and grow. So I also just really enjoy what I do. I don't feel like it's a job. Awesome. That's wonderful. I like to hear that. All right. Number three is what is your favorite inspirational quote? So I, like so many others, have so many. Um, this is actually a quote from a book. Um, there's a book called Limitless by Jim Quick. I'm fascinated by the brain and the neurology of the brain and all things brain related. And he says in his book, I've come to learn that most people set their visions to align with their current reality instead of thinking bigger. And that certainly mm -hmm. speaks to so much that we learn from Sue and all that we've learned from her over the years from Sue Bryce. Of no more, no less. Yeah. No more, no less, right? It ties into what do you actually want, you know? And I think it's a reminder that we can think and dream bigger without setting ourselves up for some sort of disappointment. I think we put those limits on because we're afraid that will disappoint ourselves maybe, but just that no more, no less, and just keep raising that bar to think and dream bigger without setting our own ceiling and putting our own limits on ourselves. Perfect. I love that. All right. Number four is what would you tell people who are just getting started? Yeah. So I think reining it in when you're entering the photography world, there are so many different things that you can do. And we've <laughs> all seen that van that specializes in the list of, right? Bar mitzvahs and birthday parties mm -hmm. and sports and headshots. And it's funny, it specializes in, and then there are 30 things on the side of the van. And, you know, funerals, graduations, you name it. So I think really thinking about what you want to do, what you love, and thinking about the idea, and I said this earlier, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And there's so much information coming into us from the outside about different genres and people's work. And, you know, I, I don't know if I said this earlier, I don't think of myself as an artist. I think of myself as a very skilled technician, 
But when I see the art that other photographers create, my mind is just goes a buzz and like, oh, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should do that. Oh, I could do that. Right. Especially when you <laughs> totally. go to like WPPI or even the workshop in Italy and seeing all that beautiful art on the when all the graphic products and all those amazing creations that the true portrait artists have done. I realize ultimately that's not my my lane. This is my lane and that's okay. Just because I can do those things doesn't mean I should. Yep. Where do I want to be? What's yep. important to me? That's exactly and just right. just trying to have some focus because otherwise, you know, there are a million different roads and paths that you can go down. And all it does is ultimately slows your progress because you dilute yourself and what you're doing. And, you know, that hinders your success. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show. Really, really, really appreciate it. Are you going to the Portrait Masters Conference in September? Um, you won't want to hear me say that I'm not. <laughs> Only because I'm going. Um, I have a group of friends that are also in the photography world, and we kind of have our own little mastermind weekend in oh, Florida nice. at the beach. Very so, cool. That's um, exciting, I've been too, to the Port Masters. I love it. I wish it wasn't in conflict time-wise, but I will be on the beach when you guys are in the shootout and listening to all those great speakers from the stage. Well, both things will be amazing, I'm sure. So, awesome. All right, Heather, I will see you online soon then, and hopefully next year we'll see each other in person. Yes, I hope so, and thank you so much. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Awesome, you take care. And appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-Day Startup Challenge plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business lighting PDFs. I mean, truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com.